All right, Shabbos say good morning. Let us let us begin. So begin by thanking our sponsor, our sponsors for the month of Elul. To thank Avram and Shane Dikamen for dedicating all of the Shiurim and Drashos this month in memory of their parents. We hope that the merit of our Tamatora, the Shamash Shavin Aliyah, and the family Einachama. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Alan Wiseman, in commemoration of the 10th yard site of his beloved wife, Rita, Rivka Rachel Basacharia, Dr. Ron and Marlene Gartenhouse, in honor of their sons, Harris and Simon, learning in Eretz Yisrael, and Paul and Kathy Pollock as a schuss for Rafur Shalima for Alter Ben Golda Etcha. We thank all of our sponsors for their dedication, for their generosity, and I'm say with that, let us begin. So today's daf is daf gimel. We are beginning on the bottom of Bayes Amud Bayes Amrle Abaye, which is two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve lines up from the bottom. So we'll say just to reorient ourselves a little bit. Remember, we've been discussing the opening mission of Maseches Beya, and the mission is talking about Beitza Shenolda Biyamtiv. What happens if the chicken lays the egg on Yom Tiv? What is the status of the egg? So remember, again, we had a machlokis, Bishamay Sil, Bishamay says, you're allowed to eat it. Basilo says, you're not allowed to eat it. We've been trying to figure out what is at the root of the machlokis, Bishamay and Basilo. So we'll actually come back to all of our opinions just a little bit, but we left off yesterday with Rabbah. Rabbah said it's a hachana issue. We'll say, you should just know, this is what's called hachana de Rabbah. Hachana de Rabba. So if you're talking and learning with someone, say, oh, did you learn the sukkah of Hachana de Rabba? Yeah, so did I. Great. Thanks for a good odd conversation. And even says the Gemara, say, what does Rabba say? Rabba says that halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa, whatever you're going to use on Shabbos and Yom Tiv must be prepared. Must be prepared. In other words, that whatever is going to be used on Shabbos has to be prepared from weekday, and Shabbos can't prepare for Yom Tiv, Yom Tiv can't prepare for Shabbos. And therefore, again, Rabba said that halacha lemaisa, an egg, an egg is fully formed or completed being formed the day before inside of the chicken. Therefore, if the chicken lays an egg, we're talking about over here where Yom Tov falls out on Shabbos. Sorry, Yom Tov falls out on Sunday. And therefore, when the chicken lays the egg on Sunday, that, ch- that egg was actually, quote-unquote, prepared when? Shabbos. That's the problem. So I'm going to have bias. Abayas says, okay. Elementary, I will say, I'll just point out, there's a lot to talk about in that sugya of, of Rabbah, which we'll, we'll loop back to a little bit, including Tosis, which we'll come back to hopefully at the end of this year for a few moments. says, okay, Rabbi, even if I subscribe to your idea, this, according to you, it's only a problem. The egg is only a problem when? When it's Yomtev that follows Shabbos, right? Because then, so what? The egg was prepared, quote unquote, on Shabbos for Yomtev use. But a Stam Yomtev, a Stam Yomtev, right? A chicken lays an egg on Yomtev. That should be totally fine. To which the Gemara says, "Gzera mishum yomtiv achra Shabbos," because no, the gzera is that if we allow you to eat the egg on a stam yomtiv, right, on just a regular yomtiv, you may come to also consume an egg that was laid on yomtiv when yomtiv falls out on Shabbos. So it's a preventive gzera. Okay, Shabbos ba'alma tishtari. But if the chicken lays the egg on a regular Shabbos, that should be permitted. Because also remember again, according to Rabbah. When does the hachana of an egg take place? The day before. So the problem, again, is only in a very specific scenario where what? Where Yom Tov falls after Shabbos. But a regular Yom Tov should be permitted. The Gemara says, no, if we let you eat it on a regular Yom Tov, you may come to eat it on a Yom Tov after Shabbos. I, if a chicken that lays an egg on Shabbos, that egg should be permitted on a regular Shabbos. 
to which the Yomar says, The concern would be on a situation of a Shabbos that falls after Yom Tiv. Okay, so the Gemara says, Do we make Gezeris like this? Do we actually make Gezeris like this? So says the Yomar, Well, this is an interesting case. If a person went ahead and shechted a chicken, and found eggs inside. Now again, remember, in this situation now, what are we referring to over here? Same case, you're shechting a chicken. Mutran yamtiv, shechted chicken? Yes. Now watch this case. In this case, you shechted the chicken, and then on the inside of the chicken, you found eggs. You found eggs. What's the halacha? So, you're permitted to eat those eggs on yamtiv. Now listen, this is very interesting. So it says the Gemara, Vim Isa, Ligzar Mishum Hanach to Misyaldum Yomehen. Now, I will say, again, the fact that you could eat eggs found inside of a chicken, that, that's not a Kiddush. You could eat anything found inside of a chicken. The, the Gemara is suggesting over here is like this. Why aren't we concerned that if we let you eat those eggs that you find inside of the chicken, what may happen? What may happen? You may come to go ahead and then eat eggs on Yom Tiv that the chicken lays on Yom Tiv when Yom Tiv falls out the shop. So we're making all of these gzeris, right? You can't eat eggs. You can't eat the eggs. Or you can't eat the egg on a regular Shabbos because you may come to eat it on a Yom Tiv that falls after a Shabbos. So Shabbos falls after Yom Tiv. You can't eat it on a regular Yom Tiv because you may come to eat it on a Yom Tiv that follows Shabbos. So along that same logic, if you shake the chicken, you find eggs inside the chicken, you shouldn't be able to eat the eggs lest you come to eat the egg that the chicken lays on a Yom Tov after a Shabbos. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Finding fully formed eggs in a chicken after you shecht it is an uncommon occurrence. And also we have a general principle that Chazal only made their enactments in common situations. But they did not create their enactments for uncommon situations. So finding fully formed eggs inside of a slaughtered chicken is not a normal occurrence, and therefore Chazal were not going there. So interestingly enough, everyone would agree that Allah if you shechted the chicken on Yom Tiv and found fully formed eggs inside of the chicken, that you'd be permitted to go ahead and eat the eggs, and the gzera does, the gzera of Rabbah, or Achan of the Rabbah, doesn't apply. So we'll say that was Rabbah. So, so far again, we've got Rav Nachman's interpretation, we have Rabbah's interpretation of the Mahalogiz Mishra Two more. Rav Yosef Amar, Listen to this. Do you know why we don't let you eat the egg? Remember again, this is according to according to Basil. Why doesn't Basil allow you to lay the egg? To lay the egg. To eat the egg that the chicken lays on Yamtiv. It is a gzera of regarding trees or fruit that could have fall off the tree. Now both say this is actually very interesting. Take a look at Rashi. Rav Yosef Amar. Listen to this. The halacha is as follows. Are you allowed to pick an apple off a tree on Shabbos? No. Av malacha of kotzer, right? Of harvesting. Harvesting means, you go and you detach something from the place that it grows. What about if you're walking by and you find an apple on the ground? The apple fell off the tree, allowed to eat it? So the answer is, midaraisi, yes. Midarabanan, no. Chazal did not want you eating anything that fell off a tree on Shabbos out of a concern that what? You may come to pick it off the tree on Shabbos. So this is fascinating. Rav Yosef says, do you know why you can't eat an egg that the chicken lays on Yom Tiv? It's a, it's a gzera of peros hanoshrin. 
it's exera, it's in it's the exera of tr- fr- um, fruit which fell off the tree. And therefore, we're concerned that Allah Chalamaisa, if we got Xerab Shokersan Ocean, so Yumar says, Time of now let's talk about this just a moment. Why can't you eat fruit which fell off a tree? And the Bible the imagery is just as the fruit falls off the tree, the egg, so to speak, falls off the mother. Now, remember again, what's the reason you can't eat fruit which fell off a tree? Time of my top of Gimel, Kazir Shamiyalaviyatlosh. So again, so first of all, we'll say, what's, what's the gzera? What's the gzera? The gzera is, if we allow you to eat the apple which fell off the tree, you may come to inadvertently go ahead and pick an apple off the tree. To which the Gemara says, He gufa gzera. So it doesn't make any sense. In general, we have a concept of in goes ring gzera which means... You don't pile on multiple levels of rabbinic legislation, one on top of the other. So remember again, here's what I can't do. I'm not allowed to pick an apple off the tree. Okay, so Chazal came along and said, you also can't eat an apple that falls off the tree, lest you come to pick it up. And now, Rav Yosef, you're suggesting, and now you also can't eat an egg that the chicken lays on Shabbos or Yom Tiv, lest you come, because if you eat the egg, what may happen? You may come to eat a fruit that falls off the tree, which may then lead you to go ahead and detach a fruit from the tree. Right? I'm saying, like, like how many, like, how, how, how many layers do you want to attach to this? We don't do this. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Kula The Gemara says, it's all one gezerah. So what the Sinzer says say is as follows. That when Chazal went ahead and legislated on peros hanosho mina ilam, that you're not allowed to eat fruit that falls off a tree, they included a number of things in that primary gezera. A couple of things which resemble fruit falling off the tree. And one of those things which they initially included in that legislation, according to Rav Yosef at least, was a chicken that lays an egg on Shabbos. So it's not, it's supposed to say, the imagery, the Havamina was, kind of, we start with the Dorei, so I can't pick a fruit off the tree. First layer of Durabanon, can't eat fruit that falls off the tree. And then there's a second layer of Durabanon, which says you can't eat an egg which is laid on Yom Tiv. To, and then that's Gezer le Gezer. That's multiple levels of rabbinic legislation. We don't do that. To which the Gemara says, that's not what happened. What happened was, Darai said, can't eat a fruit off a tree. And then there was a Durabanon. And the Durabanon prohibited a number of different things, including that, and that is what? A chicken that lays an egg on Yom Tiv. You can't eat that egg because that egg resembles fruit that has fallen off the tree. Beautiful. Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak Amar. Zerim Mishim Mashkin Shezavu. I'll say this is great. This is Mamash Shazagiri to announce Michas Chavar. It's a Xera of Mashkin Shezavu. What does this mean? You're not allowed to eat the egg because it falls into the category of juice which seeps out of fruit on Shabbos. Slash Yantiv. So the Gemara says, listen to this. So what does it mean Mashkin Shezavu? So I'll say, so again, just the imagery is. The same way, we'll see what the problem is. The same way that there's a quote-unquote problem with juice which oozes out of a fruit on Shabbos, so too there's a problem with the egg, so to speak, that oozes out. That's the same, that's the imagery. The egg oozes out of the chicken on Shabbos as well, or Shabbos Yamtiv. So the Gemara says like this, Amalei Abaye. So Abaye says, what, what's the issue with Mashkin Shezavu? Mashkin Shezavu, Taimamai, what's the reason why you can't drink juice which oozes out of a fruit on Shabbos, Oh, it's an issue that if we allow your boss, so you have your bowl of grapes, right? You have your bowl of grapes, and juice oozes out of the grapes, 
you're not allowed to drink that juice on Shabbos. Why not? What are we concerned about? If we let you, Chazara, right? Chazara, if we let you go ahead and drink the juice, what may come to happen? You may come to squeeze the grapes. And that's an Isra Dar Isa. So the Gemara is asked the same question. He gufa gzera, va'ana neko menigzer gzera l'gzera. So I don't understand. That by itself, drinking the juice is already, an, is, is already a gzera. Now you want to put another gzera on top of that, that you can't eat the egg because it's as if it oozed out of the mother, to which the Gemara says, kulachad gzera. Same answer as we gave before. Halach alamai says, all one gzera. In other words, Rebosai, so when Chazal legislated that you can't go ahead and drink the juice that oozes out of fruit lest you come to squeeze the fruit. They included a couple of different things in that initial gzera. And according to Rabbi Yitzchak, they included an egg that was laid on Yomtev. Beautiful. So I'll say, say, here's what we have. So now we've come to a very important milestone in the sugya. We now have four different opinions as to how to understand the position of the machlokas Beishamay and Beisilo in the Mishnah, specifically trying to understand why Beishilo prohibits the consumption of the egg which the chicken lays on Yantiv. Remember again, so what are our four different opinions? We started with, with Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman wanted to suggest, this is just a basic machlokas in Muktza. In Muktza. Right? So Rav Nachman says, Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, has a more restrictive view of Muktza, like Rabbi, I'm sorry, Basilo has a more restrictive view of Muqtza like Rabbi Yehuda. And ultimately, again, Beishamai has a more relaxed view of Muqtza like Rabbi Shimon. That was Rav Nachman. Rabbah wanted to say this is an issue of Hachana. Right? An issue of Hachana. That when the chicken lays the egg on Yom Tiv, this is Yom Tiv that falls after Shabbos, and therefore it wasn't prepared properly. Good. Basilo subscribes to the Hachana de Rabbah. Beishamai does not. Rabbi Yosef. This is an issue of peros hanoshrim mina ilan, fruit that fell off of the tree. Rabbi Yitzchak, gzera of mashkin shezabu. Those are the four different opinions. Here we go. Kulok Rav Nachman lo amri sayin. So the other three opinions don't hold like Rav Nachman. Why not? Kikushyam. Because of the questions that we brought up. We'll say, remember again, what was the question we brought up on Rav Nachman? Rav Nachman, if you're really right that this is a, a machlokes about muktza, then what? Why are you just arguing in the egg? It's also a question of what? It's also a of what? The chicken itself. So why doesn't the Mishnah illustrate the Machlokas with both the chicken and the egg? That was the Kashan of Nachman. Fine. So I understand everyone rejects Rav Nachman because of that question. Kira Abanami, Lo Amri, Lo Amri, I understand also why the other opinions don't hold of Rabbah. Because we'll say Rabbah is advancing an incredible Chiddush. What's Rabbah's Chiddush? that everything you're going to use on Yom Tiv must be actively prepared, right? And whatever that active preparation means, at least a designation, mikan ani ochel, I'm going to eat from this, so they don't subscribe to that. that that's Rabbi's Chiddush. The other opinions don't subscribe to that. Hello, Rabbi Yosef, my time alone, Amak Rabbi Yitzchak. But why doesn't Rabbi Yosef hold the Rabbi Yitzchak? I must remember again, Rabbi Yosef said, you can't go ahead and eat the egg on Yom Tiv. Why? Because it resembles a fruit which fell off the tree. Sa'ai, so Rav Yosef, why don't you agree with Rabbi Yitzchak, right, who holds that it's an issue of mashkin shezabu, because it resembles fruit oozing out of, sorry, juice oozing out of the fruit. So very simple. Because at the end of the day, I think my comparison is better. A beitza, an egg, is food. And again, 
Peros are food. Lafuke mashkin to lavochla, as opposed to let's say the case of mashkin shezavu, that's liquid. So therefore, I'd rather compare the egg, which is food, to a case of peros, which is food, and not to a case of mashkin, which is liquid. Okay. Rabbi Yitzchak, my time alone, Amar Kraviyosef. Rabbi Yitzchak, who holds that the issue of the egg is one of mashkin shezavu, why doesn't he hold like Kraviyosef that it's an issue of peros hanoshrin? I like comparing the egg case to the, to the fruit juice case. Why? Because just like the juice is absorbed into the pre, so to what? The egg is absorbed into the mother. As opposed to the case of the fruit, where the fruit is revealed, right? It's visible already from the beginning while it's still on the tree. Beautiful. So we'll say, now we're introducing another thing. Even Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan himself also agrees with Rabbi Yitzchak, namely that the issue of a Beitza Shenolda Biyamtiv is an issue of Mashkin Shezavu, which again, Abba say means the reason Beis Hillel holds that you cannot eat an egg which the chicken lays on Yamtiv is why? Because it's part of the xera of juice which seeps out of fruit. Right? It's, all, it's part of that initial xera of Mashkin Shazabu. Rabbi Yochanan also agrees with this. How do we know? Rabbi Yochanan, Rami, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, Because Rabbi Yochanan, interestingly enough, contrasted two positions of Rabbi Huda, and he answered it in the following way. Watch this. I will say, this is actually great for those of us who are doing smichas chaver. We're literally learning this sugya now. This is the sugya. This is the sugya. Listen to this. Tenan. You're not allowed to squeeze fruit on Shabbos in order to go ahead and extract the liquid. Right? I will say again, why, why is that? Why is that? Because halacha lamais, again, that is the malacha of dosh. Or right, specifically called mefarik. Right, the malacha of dash is the malacha of threshing when you go ahead and you separate out wheat from chaff. So the act of squeezing out liquid from the pre is the malacha of dash. Again, when it comes to liquid in the pre, it's more specifically called the tolda of mefarik. Okay, so you're not allowed to go ahead and squeeze fruit on Shabbos. Right, what happens if the juice comes out on its own? Right, I left, uh, I left grapes on the counter and juice came out of it on its own. I didn't squeeze anything, juice came out of it on its own. Asurim. Ultimately, again, it is Aser. It is Aser. That is the opinion of the Rabbanon. That even if you didn't squeeze the juice, but the juice came out on its own, it's Aser. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, we'll say, listen to this, Rabbi Huda says, Im It depends. What were the fruits designated as? If the fruits were designated for Achila, for eating, Im Mehen Mutter. Then liquid which oozes out of the fruit is going to be Mutter. But if you designated that fruit for juicing purposes, then ultimately, again, what comes out of them is us. And I will say, now there, there's a lot of qualifications to this halacha, right? The Gemara, the, the Gemara in Shabbos goes on to explain that they're, they're not arguing over here by, by Zaysim, by Anavim, grapes and olives. We make distinctions in halacha. We're not going to get into all of this right now. But the point over here is that also Rabbi Huda says like this. So everyone agrees on the first part, which is, you can't squeeze fruit on Shabbos. Can't squeeze fruit on Shabbos. That everyone agrees with, right? The machlokes piece is on juices that see, which seep out on their own. The Rabbanon say, Aser. Aser, Aser, Aser. Rabbi Huda says, it depends. What does it depend on? 
what are the fruits designated for? If they're designated for achila, for eating, then the juices, the svaris, the juices which come out of them, have the status of ochel, of food. If the fruit is designated for consumption, for eating purposes, then the juice which oozes out of them is called food as well. If it's called food, it's not called the mashke, not subject to the gzera of mashke and shezavu. If, however, again, the food is, sep- is designated for juicing purposes, I'm going to juice it, I'm going to squeeze it, then ultimately the juices which seep out have the status of a mashke, of a drink, of liquid, and therefore Allah falls under the gzera. To which the says, Alma, so we'll say, so for our purposes here, what do we take from this position? Alma, call Ochlin and Rabbi Huda Ochla de Ifrasu. And I will say, what comes out of here is as follows. So therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, here's the part we're focusing on for, for our, for our Mesechah's Be'ah purposes, which is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, if something is called food, right, food, anything that comes from it is also called what? Food. So therefore, you have your, you have your fruit, you set it aside, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. I'm not going to juice it. I'm going to eat it. The liquid that seeps out of that fruit is called food also. Okay. Now watch this. Or minu, raise the kasha. Vodumar Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda also said, We'll say, get ready for this. This is Rosh Hashanah. This is the case of Rosh Hashanah. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. This is incredible. Rosh Hashanah. So listen to this. Rabbi Huda says, we have two days Rosh Hashanah. Two days Rosh Hashanah. And Rabbi Huda says, we know, one of them is weekday, and one of them is, and one of them is, is Yom Tif, right? We observe two days, but only, there's only really one day of Rosh Hashanah, Medar Aisa. So Rabbi Huda says, watch this. So the Gemara says, So here's the case. I have a basket of fruit. I forgot to tithe it before Yom Tif. So I want to be able to tithe it. So there's a process. Listen to this. What can you do? Essentially, designate your trumas and maestras in the basket on day one with a tenai. And the tenai goes like this. I separate this as truma gidola. Separate this as maestras. Do all of your designations. You don't actively pull anything out, but you do all your designations. Excuse me. And what you say is, if today is yantiv, my statement is meaningless. But if today is chol, then my statement is meaningful. And on the second day, you do the same exact thing. And then you could eat the fruit. Why can you eat the fruit? Why? Because one of Shachwat, what? One of those days was Chal. Which means on one of those days, I made a proper designation. Listen to this. Similarly, similarly, if you have an egg that the chicken laid on the first day, you can't eat it on the first day, but you can eat it on the second day. Why? If the first day is Yom Tiv, the second day is Chal, you could eat the egg. And if the first day was Chal, and the second day is Yom Tiv, the egg was technically permitted the previous day anyway. That was saying, what do you see from here? B'sheni in Berishamo. Ultimately, again, you're only allowed, Rabbi Huda says, you're only allowed to eat the egg on the second day. Now, I saying, here's the problem. In the first Brisa, in the first Brisa, or actually in the first Mishnah, when it comes to Sritas Peros, Rabbi Huda's Klal was what? Was what? Anything that comes from food is food. If that's the case, then what should be the status of an egg which comes from a chicken? Food. If it's food, then when should it be permitted? Immediately. Immediately. 
And yet Rabbi Huda doesn't say that. Rabbi Huda doesn't say it's permitted immediately. Rabbi Huda says it's going to be permitted day two. Because by the time you get to day two, either way, the egg should be mutter. To which the Gemara says, Umishani Rabbi Yochanan, Sashita. And Rabbi Yochanan said, you have to change around the shitas because Rabbi Huda is contradicting himself. So he must have had the attribution must be wrong. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, So it comes along, comes along, comes along Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan says that you have to switch around the positions of Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanon in the Mishnah by Sechitas Peros. And that Rabbi Yehuda really holds that Allah Chalamaisa, anytime juices ooze out, it's going to be problematic. Now the fact that what the fact that the fact that Rabbi Yochanan is contrasting this Mishnah of Beitzah with the Mishnah of of Mashkin Shezavu, the fact that we're aligning those two tells you that what the Gemara says. I'm sorry. The fact that we're contrasting the Mishnah of Beya with the Mishnah of Mashkin Shezavu tells us that Rabbi Yochanan holds. That the problem with beya, the problem with an egg, is a problem of mashkin shezavu. Because otherwise, you wouldn't be contrasting these two cases. I just want to point out. Remember, all that's happening over here. All that's happening over here is that the Gemara is trying to suggest that Rabbi Yochanan agrees with Rabbi Yitzchak. Right? Rabbi Yitzchak wanted to suggest that the issue of beitzah shenol the biyamtiv is an issue of mashkin shezavu. Rabbi Yochanan also agrees with that. The fact that Rabbi Yochanan frames the question, frames the contradiction between Mashkin Shezavu and Beit Sashanol Dabiyamtiv tells us that he holds the issue of Beit Sashanol Dabiyamtiv is an issue of Mashkin Shezavu. Incredible, incredible. So he says, I'm a base. Ravina, I'm Ravina says, no, 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 no. No, leave, leave Rabbi Huda where he is in the case of Mashkin Shezavu. Rabbi Huda does agree to that. Remember, I will say, so Rabbi Huda is as, as stated. Namely, what does Rabbi Huda hold? That Allah so everyone agrees, what can't you do? What can't you do on Shabbos? Can't squeeze fruit, right? What's the Machlokes case? If the juice oozes out on its own. And Rabbi Huda will say, when, what's the status of the juice when it oozes out on its own? What's the status? What's the status? It depends. What does it depend on? What were the fruit designated for? If the fruit was de- designated for juicing, the juices are problematic. Eating, the juices are permitted. So Ravina says, don't change anything around. Watch this. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda in the second Mishnah, right by the case of Rosh Hashanah, was coming along and trying to appeal to the logic of the Rabbanon. And watch this. Rabbi Huda says as follows. Rabbi Huda says, according to me, when the chicken lays an egg on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, that egg is permitted immediately. Why? We'll say, why? This is, this is so beautiful. I mean, not like in a hashkafic sense, but like in a, in a right? What's, what, what, why is the egg permitted on day number one? Why is it permitted? Why? Because what does Rabbi Huda hold? Anything that comes from food has the status of food. Rabbi said, where, again, let, let's just make sure we're solid on the logic. Where do we know that from Rabbi Huda? Because Rabbi Huda holds that if you have a fruit and the fruit was set aside for eating and juices ooze out of that fruit, what's the status of the juices? Permitted. Why? Because anything that comes from food is food. So Rabbi Huda says, for me, for me, when a chicken lays an egg on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, you can eat it immediately, right? Now again, we're, we're, this also presupposes that what type of chicken are we talking about? Egg-like. Right. Tarnagolis, Hamidus, La'achila. 
right? It has to be for consumption because then which, that which comes from it is called food, that, right? Otherwise, if it's an egg-laying chicken, then by definition, I, presumably I don't have in mind to eat that on Yavdin, right? So we'll say, so now watch this. Shabbi Huda will say, for me, chicken lays the egg on first day of Rosh Hashanah, we're good to go. Scrambled eggs for breakfast, right? We're, we're, we're good to go. We can eat it immediately, right? The Gemara says, Do'ochla de'ifrasu. Because again, food, anything that comes from food is called food. But Rabbi says, Rabbanan, you should at least agree with me that what? When should the egg become permitted by? At least by when? Second day. Because by the time you roll around to the second day of Rosh Hashanah, the egg should be permitted. Why? If the first day was Yom Div, then what? Then what? Second day is Chal. If the first day was Chal, then the egg was really laid on a weekday anyway. So, so by the time you get to the second day, it should be permitted. Watch this. And it's a girl, they're doing this sugina just a few days before Rosh Hashanah. We disagree, not so much with your egg policies, right? We, we disagree with your categorization of the two-day Kiddusha of Rosh Hashanah. You see, I will say, this is a Yisodistic Machlokas, by Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Huda holds that the two days of Rosh Hashanah are like any other two-day Yom Tiv, where one day is Yom Tiv, one day is Chol, but we keep them both Misafek. The Rabbanans say, that's not the nature of Rosh Hashanah. Say, remember again, if you look at Rashi, well, before we get to Rashi, remember again, I will say, why, why is Rosh Hashanah two days even in Eretz Yisrael? It's not a Sveika Dioma issue. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not like every other two-day yantiv that we observe in the diaspora, which we do so because of a calendrical doubt. Remember, again, two-day Rosh Hashanah was about something totally different. It was the fact that on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the Edim would show up. You can't declare Rosh Hashanah like any other Rosh Chodesh until the witnesses show up. The Gemara Masechus Rosh Hashanah declares that there were circumstances where the Edim would show up late in the day. So what ended up happening was they had carbonic confusion. Which carbon do we offer up? Which shira do we offer up? So in order to go ahead and avoid any of that, they made Rosh Hashanah into two days. But the way we categorize the Kedusha of Rosh Hashanah is what we call a Yom Arichta. Rosh Hashanah is considered to be one long day. It is the only 48-hour day which exists in Halacha. So Rabbi Huda wants to say that Rosh Hashanah is two different days, and one is Kodesh, one is Chol, we keep them both out Safi. So Rabbi Huda says, Rabbana, come on, the eggs gotta be permitted by day number two, because we of Shach, if first day was Yom Tiv, second day is Chol, egg is permitted. If first day was Chol, then the egg was really laid on a, on a weekday, second day certainly permitted. And the Rabbanans say, no, Rabbi Yehuda, we fundamentally disagree with the way you understand the nature of Rosh Hashanah. It's not Shtei Kedushos, it's not two days, it's Kedusha Achas. Look at Rashi, Kedusha Achas, Yamim Tovim. Rosh Hashanah is not like any other Yom Tiv. Because we don't keep a second day Rosh Hashanah out of doubt. Because we'll say, even when the Beis Hamikdash stood, they were keeping two days of Rosh Hashanah. So it's what's called in Halacha, it's what we call a Yoma Arichta. One long, one long day. I'm sorry. One long day. Good. One more day. There's so much to talk about, by the way, on the concept of the Yom Arichta, because what kind of what you see by Rosh Hashanah, what you see by Rosh Hashanah is 
something very interesting, which is that the, the concept of Yom Arichda of one long day begins as a halachic construct. But the truth is, it very quickly morphs into a hashkakic construct of Rosh Hashanah as well, as to what the avoda of Rosh Hashanah is. You know, Rosh Hashanah, let's say, you know, sometimes the key to accomplishment in life is time management. It's time management. We know, right? It's, there are actually enough hours in the day to do all the things you need to do. Maybe not to all the things you want to do, but there is enough time in the day to do all the things I need to do. But I have to know how to manage my time. You know, I'll say, so sometimes, you know, the, 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 the worst thing we say is, there's no time, there's not enough time. So, you know, what's interesting is what Rosh Hashanah says is, you could pull 48 hours out of a 24-hour period if you maximize your time. Right? Rosh Hashanah is Yom Arichta. It's a 48-hour day. Because sometimes, again, if, you really put, if I really put my mind to it, the way I can maximize my time. I could pull 48 hours out of 24 hours if I'm disciplined, if I'm directed, and if I know what it is that I need to accomplish. Again, but more about that. Ravina Braid Ravula. Now we're not finished. Comes along Ravina. Back to our back to our chicken. Right? Ravina says, no, actually we're talking about a chicken that is set aside to go ahead and lay eggs. Now say, now Rashi points out over here, Rabbi Hud, excuse me, Ravina is coming to comment on Rabbi Huda. And he says, What are we talking about over here? A chicken that is set aside to lay eggs. Rabbi Huda litame de isle mukta. And Rabbi Huda again has his general reasoning, ultimately, again, because he holds of a more narrow description or a more narrow definition, ultimately, of mukta. And not real, Ravina wants to suggest that Rabbi Huda's issue is not one of Mashkin Shazavu, but rather his issue ultimately is of mukta. Beautiful. So I'll say now, let's go back to Mesvei. So the Gemara raises a Kasha. Now I will say now, ultimately, the Mesvei now is going back to the fundamental Machlokas regarding the Machlokas, the fundamental Machlokas Be Shammai and Be Silas. So say, so now, we've effectively had four interpretations of the Machlokas Be Shammai and Be Silas. Now what we're going to do is as follows. We're going to raise a couple of questions on the Mishnah, and we're going to try to plug in the various opinions into explaining these questions. Here we go, Mesvei. Whether the chicken laid the egg on Shabbos or on Yamtiv, you're not allowed to carry it. You're not allowed to move it. For, like, for example, you can't go ahead and move it. We'll say it's actually interesting. You could use an egg as like a bottle stopper. Interesting, right? So to, co- to cover up the kli. This is great. You can't use the egg to support your bed, right? Remember again, if you go ahead and you put, uh, if you put the egg, you know, what's the right word? Um, standing up, right? An egg could actually go ahead and sustain an, an interesting amount of weight, right? So you can't go ahead and use it to prop up your bed. What can you do? So you have an egg that was, the chicken laid the egg on Shabbos Yamtiv. It's Muktza. It's Muktza. So you can't move it to cover a clean. You can't move it to support your bed. What can you do? You could go ahead and cover it. Right? You could cover it with a clean, ultimately, so that it shouldn't break. So I just want to point out, by the way, you're thinking to yourself, I, what's the big Chiddush that you can move the kibbutz? Remember again from Hilchos Muktza? There's a fundamental of in Hilchos Muktza. We saw this back in Erevin and in Shabbos. Namely, are you allowed to move a kli 
for, for this, to serve something that itself is muktza. So that's the whole machlokas in halacha. It's not, it's not machlokas in halacha. In halacha, we pass and you can. But in the Gemara, it's all machlokas. In any event, the Gemara says, Usveka asura. Now watch this. Let's say there's a suffix concerning the egg. Now, the, we're assuming right now that the suffix the Gemara is talking about is, was, did the chicken lay the egg on yamtiv or during the week, right? On Shabbos or during the week. That's the Yisum, that's the suffix. Usveka asura. So again, if you're not sure when the egg came into the world, you have to treat it stringently. Vimnis arba be'elif kulan asuros. Wow. And if that egg got mixed with a thousand other eggs, all of the eggs are asr. All of the eggs are asr. Meaning that the egg, which is laid on yamtiv, is not bottle to the rest of the eggs. Well, so let's analyze this. Now, by the way, in that last case, when the egg gets mixed in with all the other eggs, all the eggs are, are asr. So does that mean asr when? Also, when just for Shabbos Yantav, it doesn't mean forever, right? It just, just, just like again, if you hold that Beitz Shinodav Yantav is Aser, it only means it's Aser Tafti Yantav. So, if you have an egg that was that was laid on Yantav and it got mixed with a thousand other eggs, and we say all the eggs are Aser till after Yantav. So, we'll say, so let's analyze this. Bishlam of the Rabbi, So we'll say, let, we're focusing now on the case of Safek, right? So, the Mishnah said. Actually, the Bryce said that halacha lemaisa sveka asura, right? So if you have a suffake egg, suffake egg, that ultimately again it's going to be asur. So again, remember, we're assuming what's the suffake? What's the suffake? What's the suffake? Was the egg laid on yamtiv or during the week, right? So I understand bishlama the rabba dama mishumachana haviseka daraisa the chalseka daraisa the chumra. According to rabba, I understand because according to rabba also midaraisa midaraisa. Everything you're going to use on Yom Tiv or on Shabbos must what? Must be actively designated and prepared on a weekday. On a weekday. So therefore, again, if you have a Suffolk egg, this is a Suffolk Daraisa. Suffolk Daraisa, the Chumrah. El Rav Yosef, Rav Yitzchak, Tarim Mishum Gzeira, Sveged Rabbanani, Vichal Sveged Rabbanani, Lekula. But also, according to Rav Yosef, Rav Yitzchak, who hold that what? That the issue of Beit Sashinol to Yom Tiv is under the Gzeira of what? Either Peros Hanoshrin, Fruit that fell off the tree, or mashkin shezavu, or juice that oozed out of a fruit, those are dirabanons. If that's the case, if you have a suffix, whether the egg was born on yamtiv or not, that's a suffix dirabanon. And what's Allah suffix dirabanon? Suffix dirabanon lakula. Amrale, no, no, no. Seifa son the suffix trefa. No, very interesting. The suffix actually that the Bryce is talking about is not talking about a suffix if the chicken laid the egg on Shabbos or yamtiv. The suffix is is the animal from which the egg came from a trefa or not, right? So in other words, we're not sure about the status. Remember, an egg that comes from a trefa could be problematic. That's the suffix. Iyachi, oh, one second, if that's the case, that we're not sure. Rashi says over here, suffix, the suffix trefa, suffix noldamitanagolis trefa, v'labiyamtivkai. So actually, interestingly enough, that case of suffix is not a yamtiv case. That case of that case of suffix is actually a situation where we're not sure if the animal is a trefa. To which the Gemara says, "One second, ihochi masefa nis arva be'elef kulan asuros." The next part of the Brisa said, "If that suffix egg gets mixed in with a thousand other eggs, then what? Then what? They're all asur." To which the Gemara says, "I don't understand." I amr bishlama b'suffix suffix yamtiv suffix chal havi davar sheish lamatirin v'chal davar sheish lamatirin afilu be'elef lo batal. We'll say very quickly. Davar sheish lamatirin means something that is asur now but going to become mutter later on. We have a principle in halacha 
that a davar sheyesh lamatirin is not bottle in a mixture. And the svara is very simple. What's the svara? Bittel is a mechanism that halacha uses when there is no other way to resolve doubt. Right? But if there's another way to resolve doubt, like what? Or like how? Wait. Just wait a little bit, and there's no doubt. Wait till after Yomtiv, and there's no issue. Then ultimately, again, we don't rely on Bittal. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. When we say, if this Suffolk egg gets mixed in with a thousand other eggs, it's not Bittal, because that makes sense of what? That makes sense. If you go ahead and you say they were talking about the Suffolk of the egg, whether or not it's a Yomtiv egg or not. But if you say that the egg that we're talking about is from a Suffolk Trefa animal, then Davish Lamatirini, I'm sorry, so then I'm sorry, Ultimately you say, you see again, an egg that comes from an animal which is a Suffolk Trefa is what? Is ultimately again is not a is not a I should say I should say differently, I'm sorry. It's not it's not that the animal is a Suffolk Trefa, that's incorrect. Is that we're not sure if this egg came from the trefa animal or the whole animal, right? So there's a suffix on the egg. Is it a trefa egg or not? But we'll say that's not a davrashesh lamatirin, right? Because that egg never becomes permitted. Now, if that egg never becomes permitted, then what mechanism should you be able to rely on? Bittel. And therefore, again, if it falls into a mixture, it should be bottle and permitted immediately. This is great. So a little, a little bit of a little bit of a detour on the halachos of bittel. Maybe you'll say, well, an egg is different. An egg is choshev. And therefore, it's not bato. I will say there is this constant halacha, as we will see, that certain items possess such incredible individual importance that what? That halacha lamaisa, it's not bottle in a mixture. It's not bato. So, you know, the Bashant of HaKadosh says something so beautiful. He says, this is why, this is why a Jew is never bottle barov. Meaning what? Let's say again, I look at my, look at my life and I say, I have rova virus. I have rova virus. Right? The majority of things I do are averus. So we should say that my mitzvahs are batal barov. Mitzvahs are batal barov. To which the Rebbe says so beautifully, the mitzvah of a yid, the mitzvah of a Jew, is a davar chashev. There's nothing more important than the mitzvah of a Jew. And a davar chashev is never batal. A filu be'elef. And that is why halacha lamayin say, even if unfortunately I'm contending with rov averos, a majority of averos, I am a Dabr Chashev. My mitzvahs are a Dabr Chashev and therefore never bottle. So the Gemara says, Honey, Chalaman Damar, Kol Shadako, Limno Shanino. They all say, This is so, so much good stuff here. Let's listen to this. So that makes sense. So I'll say, Listen to this Machlokas. Let me take the Machlokas and we'll plug it in. There's a Machlokas of how do you define a Dabr Chashev, right? Here's, let's accept the principle that if something has incredible, heightened, individualistic importance, it is never bottle. It's never bottle. Okay, let's accept that. Let's accept that principle. Now the shail is what? Shail is what? How do you define individualistic importance? Says machlokes. The machlokes is like this. Everyone will agree that an item that is never sold in quantity, never sold in bulk, only sold as individual units, is called a davar chashev. The shail is what about an item that is sometimes sold in bulk and sometimes sold in individual units? So a good example of that would be. An egg, right? Sometimes, right? It's normal to purchase an egg, right? Three eggs, four eggs. And then it's also sometimes normal to purchase eggs in bulk, right? In which case, it's a, there might be one more, might be one less, might be three more. And again, that's okay. That, that's accepted in the marketplace. So I'll say, listen to this. This is the machlokes. Maybe you'll say that an egg is chashuv and therefore it's never bottle on a mixture. 
means anything that is often sold in individual units. Not always sold in individual units, but often sold in individual units. Therefore, again, an egg is often sold in individual units, but sometimes sold in, in bulk as well. So if you say that a Dabar Chashev is defined as something that is sometimes sold in individual units, then an egg could be a Dabar Chashev. Elva. But according to Ben, this means a, uh, the only item that is a Dabr Chashev is what? Something that is only sold in individual units. It's never sold in bulk. Ultimately, again, what is there to say? An egg would not satisfy that criteria. So we'll say, we'll have to stop over here. We'll pick up Amir Tzashem with so much to do with this Sugi tomorrow. Again, it's going to be quite fascinating. Another, another beautiful Gimar tomorrow. Let's say Shkoyach. Oh, so we're going to see that Sugya. We're going to see that Sugya that, that according to Rabbah,